0: Coming up on Garden Talk.
1: You could know nothing when you started this podcast. Take that three letter acronym, go watch my YouTube on it, and make it in the next hour and be applying it to your garden successfully in 36 hours. Where it's not as fine as a blender can make something, it's as fine as a microbe eating it and passing it through its enzymatic process and spitting out the raw materials or the plant nutrients, that's how fine it is. Product, when finished correctly, is better than anything you can buy on the shelf. For the cost of a potato and a few grams of salt, you're going to have something that's, you know, more than $100 a gallon in value.
0: What's up everybody, If you that don't know me, my name is Chris, aka Mr. Grow It, and you're tuned into the Garden Talk Podcast, this episode number 67. In this episode, I interview Chris Trump. Many of you know him from KNF, which are natural farming techniques. Millions of people have watched his natural farming videos on YouTube, thousands have gone through his in-depth courses, and he's even taught these techniques in several countries across the world. In this episode, we get into some of the natural farming techniques that you can use in your garden. Thanks to all of you who support this podcast through Patreon. If you'd like to support, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash mrgrowit. Before we get into it, I want to acknowledge that one of my goals for this podcast is to bring zero cost for information about gardening all plants to the general public. That being said, I'd like to thank the sponsors of today's episode who helped make that goal possible. Thanks to Spider Farmer for being a sponsor. A new grow light they released here in 2022 is the SE-1000W. This was designed specifically for those of you who run CO2 in your grow space and really want to maximize the light intensity. It has a 10 bar design for an even light spread, pulls 1000 watts from the wall, and comes in at 2.9 micromoles per joule efficacy. The recommended coverage area is 4 feet by 4 feet or 5 feet by 5 feet. Use discount code MRGROWIT5 to save on all Spider Farmer products and I'll leave a link in the video description section below. AC Infinity is a sponsor of the podcast. Coupon code MRGROWIT will get you a discount on their products. I've been using their Cloudline T6 and T4 inline fans for several years now and I absolutely love the automation built into them. On the inline fans controller, you can have set points for high and low temperature as well as high and low humidity. This greatly helps control my indoor garden environment, so the temperature and humidity stays in the ideal ranges. I will leave a link to AC Infinity down in the description section below, and don't forget to use coupon code MRGROWIT for a discount on their products. And we are back. Welcome to the Garden Talk Podcast. Today I am joined with Chris Trump. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on. Today we're going to talk all about KNF. So KNF, Korean Natural Farming. Uh, There was actually a couple people on my podcast in the past that talked about a few of the KNF methods. So I want to give a shout out to them first. Greens Goddess. And also Bluegrass Green Thumb. Not sure if those names are familiar to you or not, but both of them have actually mentioned your name as who they learned it from, and they had suggested that I have you on the podcast. So here we are today, uh, getting you on the podcast, and uh, we'll talk about some various KNF methods.
1: Yeah, I saw Green's Goddess in Denver uh, last week, I think. Um, there was a little meetup, and um, yeah, they're good people.
0: nice. Nice. Well, before we get too deep into the KNF methods, let's do an introduction. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into gardening?
1: Yeah, yeah. I um, I was born on the Big Island of Hawaii, and the um, I was born on a farm. We were doing uh, some livestock as a kid, and um, and uh, my dad, when I was pretty young, got into macadamia nuts, and then uh, after college. Um, and some, some work, I uh, decided to go back to farming and uh, helped my family farm transition to organic. Um, I learned natural farming in the process as we needed a tool that made more sense than traditional organic. But yeah, I managed um, our 750 acre uh, macadamia nut farm with my dad for about eight years and uh, then have been involved since the last six years um, my brothers now manage it, and uh, they're doing a great job. Um, yeah, but I've since then have been uh, I managed a three-acre farm in Idaho for a while, and have uh, popped all around in uh, different places in the world and in the country, um, working with farmers and uh, and um, you know kind of teaching how to tend to the microbial life, the soil, and partner with nature. So. Pretty deep down that rabbit hole, somewhere along the line, I think, in managing our farm and having to sort out the details of what we were doing in our process. I think I probably got a couple degrees in microbiology, just uh, continuing to learn. And um, so I've had the opportunity to um, advise uh, a doctorate thesis program in Korea, Konguk University. I still work with them. Um, I was asked to be on the research and development board for the International Macadamia Society. of the work on our farm, so I spoke in China a few times um, over the last few years, um, up up until 2020, uh, to rooms full rooms full of scientists. And uh, yeah, I think um, I think I've really come to have an appreciation for the. Need for uh, systemic change, and um, the part I get to blame in
0: that. I think a lot of my audience probably knows you from your YouTube channel. You know, I'm looking at your channel right now, you've got over 40,000 subscribers just on YouTube alone. I'm not sure what other platforms you're on, but uh, you know, you're really one of the pioneers when it comes to bringing KNF over to the States and kind of bringing it to a wide audience, uh, I guess we should say, right? I mean, some of these videos are back from like 2016, 2017, and if you click on, one thing I just want to point out is if you go to his channel, Chris Trump, just search for it on YouTube, playlists. There is 21 videos under a Chris Trump, how to Korean natural farming. And this playlist alone, I think, is kind of really monumental to the move of Korean natural farming. There's just so much... Detail on how to do these practices, and they're in a simplified form that's easy to for a new grower to digest. So hats off to you on that one. Um, you know your work is definitely noticed by a large audience, and uh, you know I'm definitely excited to have you on today and and ready to start getting into some of these practices so people can uh, make that transition over from. Uh, you know, bottled nutrients or even organic over to some more natural farming techniques such as uh the K- Korean natural farming techniques. So
1: Cool. well appreciate you. And and yeah, 40,000 I think just happened So, thanks to uh all you watchers.
0: Let's start from the beginning and assume that people don't really know what KNF is. Can you talk to us about what is KNF and why should gardeners implement KNF practices?
1: Yeah, um so really, it's only in the U.S. that we add the word Korean to it, um, and uh, it's because of how we, came, you know, came to know it. Um, being Master Cho, who is the uh, creator of the uh, current um, practice, um, he, um, his uh, full name is Cho Han Hwu. And um, Cho being the last name, Han-kyu being his um, first name. And um, he's a uh, um, Korean man, um, lives in uh, outside of Seoul now with his son, uh, who is son um, uh, and uh, who's the creator of Jadam uh, technology. Um, just kind of a little background. Uh, this family has done a lot to... Um, kind of open source share, and uh, so master Cho, master kind of like sensei in um, if we were in a, a um, martial arts class, you know, master's teacher, and and uh, you know, um, it's it's a title kind of like doctor, and um, their work, um, and then the freedom to kind of share open source um, is really, I think, uh, culturally the gift in natural farming and something that I feel like is an important, um, thing to continue and to pass on. And something I teach when I teach classes, like, look how you've received this. I'm not, there's no secret sauce being hidden and held back. There's not some, you know, you have to be, you know, fifth level to learn the technology. It's like here, it's open and freely shared. And, uh, nothing held back and and that's i think um culturally something that um is really important because it's um i think it's part of the change that's needed in the world you know is that this isn't you know um sure some people make a living and um there's there's things to sell and teach and whatever but ultimately once you have that knowledge no there's no uh copyright on it there's not a uh uh you know claws or anything and um i think that's um a real um, honor to have learned that way and to be able to pass that on so i guess uh just a little footnote or or stopping there for a minute at that important detail that is in natural farming um the yeah it's it's practiced in i think over 70 countries um that i know of um, and some of that history is uh, Master Cho traveling um, and teaching. He got some political persecution um, following the Korean War um, because there was such free sharing of agricultural knowledge. They marked him as a communist, and uh, so there was a lot of um, pressure. And so he actually had to leave the country for a while uh, under that pressure and went to India and Thailand and um, and in those places, it's just called natural farming. Um, and, um, and so I often refer to it as natural farming um, just because of that. I've gotten to travel a lot and experience those um, communities and those different cultures. The Japanese uh, natural farming community is amazing. Um, a lot of great kind of innovation, etc., And not a lot of it's in English, uh, sadly. But um, natural farming is a elegant method to partner with nature to grow food. Um, it's, uh, I don't think, the only way. I think there's a lot of traditional farming technology that's incredible, and you can get to that same place. But the nice thing about natural farming is it's this, this beautiful package. You, know, you get this like box of technology, and the whole thing gives you everything you need to really um, be highly effective as a gardener to, um, produce your crop. And so, um, I think that's really, um, a special aspect of what's, uh, available in natural farming is just the, the kind of, um, you can master this one thing. And it really, uh, one of the other things that it is, is it's a key to understanding nature, not just, um, to be able to do step-by-step a recipe, but all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's how fermentation works and why it's valuable. And I can use this to do that. And I can ad-lib this now that I've mastered that. I understand. And um, so I think it's um, it's a, a key to understanding natural law, I think, as much as it's a farming technique. And, um, yeah, it's a series of recipes. Um, the main one being this IMO process um, where you... Take indigenous, IMO most for indigenous microorganism, um, where you're, you're taking a diverse microbial community from a wild spot in nature and reestablishing it in your farmland. And um, that plus some of these nutrients you can make in-house and expensively um, creates a, a wonderful tool for growing food or medicine.
0: I think there's a lot of folks in my audience, in particular, that are bottled nutrient growers, right? So they're synthetic or mineral-based nutrients. Uh, I myself was a bottled grower, mm-hmm. you know, for first six years, and then I transitioned over. Uh, you know, I learned organic gardening, yeah. whether it be an organic blend or organic dry amendments, and uh, now I'm kind of looking into the natural farming approach. So, admittedly, I haven't yet started any natural farming methods been learning about it this year and i'm going to actually start taking that leap so as we continue to go on here know that i'm a newbie when it comes to it and a lot of my audience are newbies when it comes to it Uh, but there are several benefits right i mean going getting off the bottles you can certainly save some money going into the natural farming approach you can save some time as well right you don't have to mix up nutrients each time You're ready to feed. You don't have to pH, adjust the pH, adjust, uh, you know, monitor the PPM. Um, And also it's a more sustainable approach to horticulture, right, compared to uh, the bottles. Uh, I I know one of the most common issues around the world right now is the overfertilization and the runoff of nitrogen and phosphorus into our lakes and streams causing toxic algae blooms. Natural farming doesn't contribute to that right? So there's tons of benefits out there for transitioning from either bottles or even organic over to a natural farming approach. So I just wanted to say that first before we kind of move on. One word that you mentioned that I think is going to throw people off a little bit is fermentation. Mm. So uh, fermentation, we hear about fermentation, we know it's a anaerobic process. And generally speaking, a lot of folks know that anaerobic conditions can lead to bad pathogens and pests, particularly like in your growing medium, Mm -hmm. for example. Um, However, we're not talking about anaerobic process within the medium, right? We're talking about it within other things such as FPJ, FFJ, your, your fermented plant juice, fermented fruit juice, et cetera, et cetera. Can you talk to us about like what is fermentation and how you use it in natural farming practices?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's a great question and you know my my journey growing up on the farm um, is much the same as yours. Um, we were a conventional uh, farm, so bottled nutrients that came in a 40 foot container and uh, you know uh, just 30 30 30 fertilizer and roundup and um, and even up until um, 2011, uh, when we really started transitioning to natural farming, we were a split operation. So 50% of the farm, about 400 acres, was um, conventional, still Roundup and uh, salt fertilizers. And then uh, 50% was um, organic, and our organic was struggling. It was not nutrient-rich. It wasn't productive. Um, So I have much the same journey in my uh, farming experience. And then to transition to natural farming and see it be both cost effective and production effective um, was really cool. Um, And so, um, yeah, fun to share that. Um, Fermentation um, is, um, I think uh, I'll uh, I'll use um, fish fertilizer as an example to kind of, explain the concept so you can go to the store and buy hydrolysate um, and or fish emulsion and these are processes um, where they're taking out a um, an oil um, or a prime product from fish um, you know they're making fish oil capsules or something and then the leftovers they're throwing through an industrial blender and, and past and cooking down till they get a um, Of homogenized liquid, Um, that on a microscopic scale, that is unprocessed giant chunks of fish flesh. If you look at it under a microscope, as far as a plant leaf is concerned, that is undigested, unprocessed fish. So you're just taking a fish paste. If you spray it on your plant and you're smearing a a you know, uh, fish paste onto your leaves. So now that, that fish that's been applied to the leaf has to go through a breakdown process um, where it's going to get washed off the leaves, going to fall on the ground, it's going to be fermented, digested in place in nature through the microbes that are there and then become plant available. Very little of that is immediately plant available um, until it goes to, A digestive process, much like the digestion that occurs in our stomach. Um, Nature and plant assimilation of nutrients is very much the same as human assimilation of nutrients. And human assimilation of nutrients doesn't happen without microbes. We don't have blades in our guts. There's nothing chopping up our food, turning into ADP and ATP. It's microbial decomposition along with enzymatic um, uh, processes that make our food assimilatable. We can digest it. Um, the same thing happens in nature. So buying these bottled uh, fish nutrients, they still have to go through a breakdown process to become uh, plant available. That doesn't mean that a little bit's not available initially, but um, that, that breakdown does occur. And so um, fermented uh, our fish amino acid, which is the natural farming fish fertilizer, takes whole fish or fish guts and heads sorry if this is you know I'm, I'm jumping into the the weirdest grossest thing you know uh right away but i think it'll help with understanding um these this is something that if i just take you know blended blended fish and i throw it on the surface um, i get kind of um bacteria rises up and i get um, anaerobic conditions happening and the as that kind of break down and putrefies, um, whereas in natural farming, we take a diverse fungal inoculum, um, IMO, and we introduce it um, with a balanced um, amount uh, by weight of sugar, and we put the fish and the sugar and this IMO together, and this very slow fermentation occurs. Um, it actually takes a year to be perfectly done um, where the fungi actually breaks down and and yanks apart these fatty acid chains. And so this material, when it's finished, is completely assimilatable. It's completely um, plant-digestible as a foliar application in the root zone. It doesn't have to go through a secondary breakdown process for it to be usable. Um, to the plant, and we've pre-done that in fermentation. Um, so um, what occurs is something, um, and this is an FPJ, and in these fermentation processes, something called micronization, um, where it's not as fine as a blender can make something. It's as fine as a microbe eating it and passing it through its enzymatic process and spitting out the raw materials or the plant nutrients, that's how fine it is. And that's a that's a the difference from a MAC truck to a marble on a on a microbiological or on a micronization scale. So spraying hydrolysate on your leaves, you've sprayed MAC trucks. Those need to be broken down to marbles so they can pass through the cell walls. in um, FAA, we've already gone down through that micronization process, and so now it's the size of, of marbles, so to speak. Yeah, so I hope that kind of helps into why we mess around with fermentation. There's more to it, but that's uh, maybe a crash course. Speaking to the that aerobic versus anaerobic, aerobic is what we want in our root zone, absolutely, 100%. But um, the... Uh, the reality is that anaerobic, anaerobic processes happen in root zones all over the place. You have a pocket of nutrients in a forest, leaves fall, that initial layer, if a big windstorm comes, leaves pile up in a corner, a bunch of the center of that becomes anaerobic. And that's how those nutrients get processed down. That pre-processing then becomes ready food for the aerobic microbes then to to go through and eat. And so it's really neat that it's Um, it's a whole picture of nature and not just there's good guys and bad guys and everybody's coming to understand that.
0: That makes sense. So for the new folks, what natural farming practice do you suggest that gardeners start with first?
1: You know, I, um, there's a best and I would say, um, in general, Begin to learn and master the process of making IMO 4. Um, and that is literally going to be, I, I tell people, it's going to be about a year learning curve. You're going to spend about a year learning how to do this. Begin that journey so that you're not starting a year from now on a year learning journey. Um, and, and just trust that there'll be failure. It's like you're learning guitar, um, totally worth it and a ton of fun. But a learning journey. Um, but real easy entry, easy to start. Um, uh, Master Cho's son, so that's best, and that's because we're in IMO, we're producing this full spectrum of beneficial microbial life. Um, but Master Cho's son, um, you know, learned this, sat with farmers, and uh, said, oh, this is too hard, it's challenging, which I don't fully agree with him. I think it is challenging but not too hard um, but he also in his approach to it decided he wanted to make something easier and um, he came up with uh, something called jms jadam microbial solution and it takes potatoes and a little bit of rice and some microbes and that can brew out in 24 to 36 hours in a bucket in your kitchen And um, that is full of yeast and beneficial bacteria. It doesn't have a ton of fungi in it other than whatever just washes off your initial material. Um, But that is pretty low-hanging fruit as far as you could know nothing when you started this podcast. Take that three-letter acronym, go watch my YouTube on it, and make it in the next hour. And be applying it to your garden successfully in thirty-six hours with with no learning curve. So I would say that is a great way to get. And and I would say that product, when finished correctly, is better than anything you can buy on the shelf as far as bugs in a jug, microbial solution. So for the cost of a potato and you know uh, a few grams of salt, you're going to uh, you're going to have something. That's, you know, more than $100 a gallon in value. Um, so, yeah, I would say JMS is a great way to condition your soil and um, and get those nutrient cycling. Um, meanwhile, learn that IMO process. And then uh, liquid IMO can be made with an IMO, too. That's probably an easy thing to jump into, too. And that's something I developed. Um, and now um, my teacher, Master Cho, teaches when he teaches natural farming. So.
0: That's incredible. Let's get a little bit deeper to IMO. You mentioned IMO four, but I know there's like IMO one, IMO two. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. These are different stages of IMO. You already kind of touched base on what IMO is indigenous microorganisms. But how do you how do you make it and how do you use it?
1: Absolutely. So, in a untouched forest, um, you know, thousand years of just being left alone, um, balance gets struck in nature. Um, the blacksmith moves to town, the doctor moves to town, the grocer, the farmer, the you know transporter all, all of these players have now struck a, you know, balance. Think the Wild West and a small prairie town. Everybody needs to be there, and now you have the whole picture of the community, everybody doing their part, um, and all necessary and all very different. In nature, in in an untouched area, in an area that's healthy and diverse, those things, those balances have happened. And um, what we can do as farmers cultivating life um, is we can go to these areas and um, harvest that diversity, uh, kind of uh, uh, capture it and bring it into our farming systems. And, um, one of the ways we do that is this, I am a one process, um, where we, we go out into the forest with some rice and that rice has a high fat protein profile. So it's good fungal food. It's like an auger for fungi to grow on. And, um, and that bloom now ideally has, um, wonderful diversity, um, from nature. And so um, I just got the great gift of being able to submit samples. A bunch of my students submitted samples to um, a um, DNA uh, mapping lab where they mapped the DNA of a bunch of IMO4. And we had um, some 200 species of fungi in uh, a single you know, a handful of IMO4 and some... Uh, 800 species of bacteria and yeast and um, you know just an incredible uh, array of diversity and so just through this simple process like you said it is stages so IMO1 is rice in a forest IMO2 is the process of causing that IMO1 to go dormant um, which is important because we if we're not using it right away we don't want it to continue to cycle down, if you will, and lose diversity. We want it to kind of stay as a cryo-freeze snapshot of the diversity that we got in that day one out of nature. And so we mix it with rice, kind of like you put fish in salt for a long sea voyage. It keeps it from breaking down over time. Um, So that IMO2 is kind of the stabilization of the IMO1. IMO3 is taking a small amount of that and causing it to grow out Um, On a substrate, we use rice bran and oats are kind of the ideal substrate, uh, along with wood chips and then some nutrients like humic acid, sea salt, um, FPJ, OHN, brown rice vinegar. So these natural farming nutrients, it's it's kind of creating a party for microbes to thrive in and grow. And then IMO 4, we bring some of our farm's soil. So if you're growing indoors, you could actually take some of your potting soil and include that in the grow-out process. And uh, you come up with incredible, incredible um, final product. By the time you get to the fourth stage of IMO uh, process, you have a very wonderful and diverse product that's... um, um, it's never going to shock your plants, and it moves right in. And you, um, it's it's like a giant engine. You're building kind of an engine, and the components are all these microbes. And so once you get it going, now it's cycling nutrients, and uh, you can you can take a, a living soil garden bed and just top dress it with kind of raw compost, and um, and all that microbial life in there just starts processing it, and uh, it's like gas to the engine, just keeps it going. And uh, you have very little effort needed to feed your plants other than maybe you've got a bokashi barrel where you throw your food scraps in or, you know, and, and you just top dress your your leftovers from your dinners and breakfast, you know, and that's that's your nutrients for your plants. And the reason that works and just doesn't become a stinky mass is because there's this diverse microbial community and then earthworms are, are going to be able to thrive there because they eat those microbes. Um, and uh, yeah, it becomes a really a living system like nature. So you're taking natural law and, and partnering with it using the the building blocks of soil, which are really the builders are these microbes. And they are what cause soil to be something other than dirt, you know, um, it, it becomes a, a living ecosystem. And um, and so in the natural farming process, we can kind of create and capture um, that system and use it to our advantage.
0: So IMO4, what's your general recommendation for applica- application for medicinal plants, for example?
1: Yeah, I have a, I have a short video called uh, uh, applying a natural IMO application or something Um, but it's, um, you, you take this solid material and you apply it at about 330 pounds per quarter acre, or about a gallon for a hundred square feet. So a 10 by 10 bed would have about a gallon. It's a very small amount. It's think of it as like cover crop seed. You know, you're taking all these fungal spores. If you look at it under the microscope, it's full of just marbles, little fungal spores. You throw it out on your soil With a little bit of moisture and it wakes up and blooms and moves in and multiplies and so it's really just an inoculum it's a very high quality inoculum like nothing you can buy um and uh yeah so yeah a small amount you could top dress as much as an inch a solid inch of this material and it wouldn't hurt if you have more apply more yeah it's it's great um Another way to go about it is you take that finished material, you can store it in like grandma cedar chest, you know, that blanket chest or, or a little, you know, lunchbox you make or something out of cedar. And um, and you use a handful of that in a, in a brew for like a five-gallon bucket. And uh, you, can, you can cause it to bloom in a water column in the right conditions. And so um, you can spray that foliarly I really like that because um, in nature, we have um, all these microbes actually live in the phylosphere of a plant. So on the, the leaves, if you look at it under a microscope, it's covered in fungi and bacteria and yeast. And that actually is its protection. We have the same thing going on in our skin. We exude, we, we um, have, you know, salt and nutrients coming out of our pores and there's lactic acid bacteria and all these other microbes that actually thrive on that materials and live symbiotically in our skin. And we rely on them for protection from disease. And plants are the same way. So I like liquid IMO for that purpose. Liquid IMO for a lot of uh, like um, medicinal plants um, and even just general gardens, we're applying that at about uh, once a week foliarly um with great effect um incredible um effect just by applying that once a week
0: gotcha another one that you mentioned was lab lactic acid bacteria and i'd like to get into that next Um, i did watch your video on that on youtube Uh, so straightforward so easy to do can you talk to us about lactic acid bacteria you know what is it how do you make it how do you use it etc
1: Yeah, so um, lactic acid bacteria is this incredible part of nature. Um, In our systems, we're outnumbered about one trillion to one. For every human cell, there's a a trillion microbe cells in our bodies. So um, 70% of those are lactobacilli family uh, microbes. And so our gut is mostly lactobacilli family microbes. And um, without those, we don't do very well. We we desperately need uh, lactic acid bacteria to um, to process our nutrients. They're they're like a trash collector or digester. They're um, they're a facultative anaerobe, so they thrive in both anaerobic and aerobic conditions. Um, They're a very important. uh, absolutely vital part of nature. Um, you die, he, all human life ceases without lactoseilli family microbes. Um, we, we have names for the medical conditions when you get those, that diversity knocked out in your gut. And uh, it's interesting, we have a, um, a medical process called uh, FMT, fecal microbiota transplant, and where if somebody's gut biome gets knocked out um, through, um, you know, um, extenuating circumstances or um, uh, antibiotics or something like that, we actually take the healthy gut biome of a healthy person, freeze dry it, put it in capsules and and give it as a digestible pill or suppository to the unhealthy person reestablishes diversity and now they can digest their food again Uh, i met in china i met the guy who came up with fmt and he was tickled pink because i actually incorporated it in my uh my speech to the um my peers in macadamia nuts and uh you know so room full of 500 people and he's just like i can't believe you brought it into agriculture i love that um But lactic acid bacteria is good for human health and plant health, and um, it can be, you know, a lot of people um, really kind of things I heard on the internet, they take um, LAB, and it's like the one thing they take away from the natural farming process. And I would say that's kind of like taking 5% of the story and running with it, but, you know, that's okay. You know, some people have great success, and and they report all kinds of wonderful things just by using that, um, but it is a small part of it in IMO production. So in the whole IMO four process, you have all the LAB you'll ever need. It's it's abundant. So if you're making liquid IMO, chock full of LAB, um, and so you don't really need to do the LAB kind of process. But what I use LAB for, um, even though I'm farming with IMO is I make it and I have it in the fridge and I consume it regularly. For people with GI, gastrointestinal issues, it's massively helpful um, for, um, you know, um, skin or topical health or kind of subtopical health. People um, can uh, take it, um, apply it to their skin um, um, and get uh, huge relief from stuff like yeast infections and. You know, um, uh, Dr. Hoon Park, who's uh, a peer of mine and a good friend and somebody that really helped bring natural farming to the U.S. Um, has Crohn's disease and he's been asymptomatic for over 10 years because he takes an ounce of LAB in his water with every meal. And so he, as a medical doctor, When people come in with GI issues, he just gives them a sheet on how to make LAB and says, Go and drink this with your meals. And uh, people are. And so I've had friends cry because they ate food that they couldn't eat for the first time without getting stomach, you know, violent stomach cramps because they're inoculating their their food pre-inoculating it with a sip of lab that actually is the material, the very thing necessary to digest their food and um, so just yeah an incredible part of nature something that we all rely on but don't really know and natural farming gives a very simple recipe on how to make it
0: that's fascinating yeah and just to reiterate For those wanting step-by-step instructions on how to do LAB, I mean, we're kind of briefly talking about it here. Uh, I'll definitely have a link to Chris's YouTube channel down in the description section below, or if you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, just search for his name, Chris Trump, and you can see the playlist and you can see how he makes LAB. One of the things that I noticed is that you really don't need gloves or anything to do this, right? You'll see that there'll be a separation process that happens. You can actually use the, I guess, cheese curds or something like that. You can use that for a different process. And then the remaining liquid that you strained is your LAB. And like you mentioned, you can actually just drink that. So uh, that's going to be probably one of the first things I make. It seemed like it was pretty easy to make, but like you mentioned, it's a very, very small percent. So I'm definitely not going to stop there when it comes to it.
1: You know, I, I tell people that natural farming isn't something new. It's not like we're, we're teaching some new technology that we just discovered. Um, it's something that, you know, 100 years ago, a lot of these things were, were well-known kind of tools for every household. You know, how to make cheese, for example, and consume it. You know, it was something that uh, was a basic food preservation if you had milk because you didn't have refrigeration. So a lot of this is things that when we had this kind of influx of chemical agriculture, we just said, oh, grandpa's knowledge, 2,000 years of agricultural tradition, we don't need that anymore. We have 30-30-30 fertilizer. And so what a lot of natural farming is, um, it's new in that the, the package is this elegant And and Master Cho, uh, you know, if you hear stories, some things came to him in dreams, and there are bits and pieces that are definitely new. Um, But the the general concept of kind of using um, natural law to grow food, but also to consume food, um, it's it's things we used to know and uh, have forgotten, and so just coming back to um, you know working with life. I think it's important.
0: Let's get into FPJ and FFJ. So fermented plant juice and fermented fruit juice. Now, Green's Goddess was one of the ones that had talked about this on a previous podcast, and she broke it down in a simple sense to where you can use like FPJ for the veg stage and FFJ for the flower stage or vice versa. I can't remember which one was which, but uh, Uh those seem to be very important aspects of natural farming, can you talk to us about what FPJ and FFJ are? You know how to make them and kind of how to apply them in your garden.
1: Sure, yeah, and um, because I think a lot of online Joe and Jim and Susie and John talking about natural farming, uh, FPJ gets this kind of high um, platform. Because it's so easy to make and because it is a plant food uh, or new plant nutrient, um, it's kind of gotten a little bit more um, play in the online space than we give it in natural farming technology. Um, So I do want to kind of nod towards that, that FPJ, um, OHN, all this plant nutrient processes um, where you're spraying on nutrients, they are the 20% of natural farming, the 80% being IMO um, and the microbes that you would get in the soil. So this JMS technology talking about. So just kind of a quick nod to that. Um, FJ, fermented fruit juice, is um, the um, getting wild fruit. Um, so uh, I think to talk about in this space, FPJ and FFJ, I think I need to talk about the things that I heard on the internet, the misnomers real quick, because there's so much of it, and um, its I have a friend that learned FPJ, and uh, she applied the FPJ as a plant nutrient to her house plant, just dumped it on the soil, and just on the edge of killing her house plant initially. Uh, and and quickly. She made an aloe FBJ um, and applied it straight to the roots um, at a very low dilution rate, you know, kind of a lot of it, and um, got spotting on the leaves and disease, and the plant hasn't recovered two, three months later. Um, A lot of people are saying, oh, I can make this plant nutrient, and then they're um, just running with that is like, oh, I have the answer to growing without bottled nutrients. I'm just going to dump a bunch of FPJ on things. Sorry, I'm I'm getting into this, but it's so common. I get these like, oh, I did this. It didn't work for me. It's like, who told you to do that? Oh, well, this website, you know, and um, so FFJ is a very narrow um kind of use where you can apply it in flowering but kind of towards the end or not not abundantly. You can still use FPJ in uh, that flowering stage. Um, what FPJ is is think of it as a as a very high end boutique liquid compost. So you have this basically um liquid nutrient that you're able to make it's like making compost the breakdown of compost you get that those raw materials and you can put them on plants and plants love it fpj is like this like caviar of of compost in liquid form um, you're, um, but one of the things um and and so what it is is it's going out and finding a weed um or a plant that's green all the time the bugs leave it alone It grows really quickly. It grows um, It's robust or grows vigorously. Um, It's full of beneficial biochemicals that cause it to be so strong. Um, It's also, for whatever reason, has figured out how to take nutrients from the soil very effectively so that it's not um, uh, struggling to be nutrient-dense. Um, it thrives in your area. It's going to be different in Hawaii than it is in Michigan or in uh, in Colorado or Idaho. You know, it's each place is going to have its own plant. And and what you need to do to really make FBJ is go out and change your vision. Um, everybody's got these blinders on, these these glasses that cause you not to see the weeds that you've seen your entire life and just come to ignore. You know, you look at, oh, the pretty flowers and you don't see the, um, maybe if you're in California by the coast, it's ice plant. You don't see the ice plant or the um, uh, ivy or the um, um, lamb's quarter or the um, amaranth or, you know, all these things that are weeds and we're annoyed when they show up in our yard, dandelions. But really, that stuff is so vigorous, so strong. And if we harvest it and make plant food out of it, we actually get the benefit of its abundant strength as a plant nutrient. And it's nearly free, uh, just a little bit of sugar. So free weeds and a little bit of sugar becomes um, one of the best nutrients you can buy or apply to your plant. And uh, the process is pretty easy to do. Um, one of the things you don't want to do is you don't want to go to the grocery store and buy a bunch of fruit and make it into stuff. Um, there are some people teaching that on the Internet. And, um, you know, if it works for you, it works for you. You can you can mess around with the the uh, the the changes people have made. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that because it's still a nod at natural law. It's still using some of this technology. but. If you think about it, in a forest canopy or in grassland, the the weeds lay down, they die off, they get digested, they become plant food. And uh, we're just doing that kind of digestion process and, and using it as plant food.
0: That's a simple way to put it. I know you're somewhat strapped on time here, so uh, I'll just hit you with a few more questions and then we'll wrap things up. I do want to go over water-soluble calcium, so WCA. Can you talk to us about that?
1: Yeah, it's it's uh WCA is a great tool for bringing calcium into your um growing system. Um you're using a calcium rich material, so eggshells um or coral sand. I like coral sand cuz you don't have to cook it or oyster shells. If you use eggshells or oyster shells, those were living things that have organic bonds and we have to trash those organic bonds to use it to get the calcium out of it. So the cooking process um destroys those organic bonds so that we can do a chemical reaction. Um, And so the chemical reaction is a high calcium or basic material reacting with a vinegar or acidic material. We combine those and it causes the basic or alkaline material to react with the acidic material and causes it to go into solution. Which again micronizes it and makes it so the plant can receive it through its cuticle, can receive it through its, it's cell wall on its leaves, or is really easy to digest in the soil. So it's just um, there's a video on it, super simple to do, and um, it's a low cost way to get a very high quality calcium. Uh, what we produce is called calcium acetate, and it's not something you can readily buy at the store. Um, that's partially because it's not a patentable process. It's a very simple DIY possible process, um, but it's also a very high quality nutrient for your plant. So, yeah, WCA is easy. Use it all the time and uh, don't be afraid of giving it a try.
0: What's the shelf life on that?
1: Um, if you make it properly, it lasts years. Um, so, like, uh, improper would be if you undercook the eggs. Um, you'll have some of that organic material will get in there, kind of the protein in the, in the, in the shell eggs wall, cell walls. That organic material will putrefy and rot over time, and you, it'll start to stink. So it's about the quality that you make it with. If you don't take the membrane, if you don't kind of winnow off the membrane on the inside of the eggshells or, um, or pull off the membrane before you cook it, if you leave that membrane in there, it's an organic material, it'll degrade the shelf life. And so um, that's a variable depending on the quality of your process. So if I make it, a couple years. If a newbie makes it and screws up, maybe six months.
0: And then what would the recommended application rate be for,
1: for that? Generally, we use that at one to a thousand. Uh, so much of this, these natural parmin, um Uh, nutrients are used at almost homeopathic amounts and it seems like um, it's too little like more is more and people start applying extra Um, it's not that way in natural farming do it the way it's talked about Um, so like um, we were going to talk I don't know if we have time but we were going to talk about maintenance solution and maintenance solution like if you're going to do one thing applied to your plants do maintenance solution um, on my website, I should have in the next, uh, month or so I should have my OHN and, uh, available again. I have it there because it takes three months to make and people, you know, hear about natural farming. They want to get started right away. So I make that available so they don't have that three month wait time. Um, also going to have FAA, which takes about a year to make. Um, and I haven't offered that in the past. But um, again, these things that are kind of barriers to entry is part of the reason for offering those um, on my website. But the um, maintenance solution is FBJ Oriental Herbal Nutrient, which is like a prebiotic. It's kind of plant health, and then brown rice vinegar. And uh, those that small amount of nutrients applied weekly can be all you need as far as a foliar nutrient. If you're applying like a liquid IMO or a solid IMO and feeding it with some bokashi or compost or food scraps and then applying maintenance solution, that can be your entire growing protocol right there. Like nothing else going and it becomes cathartic, simple. You can spray yourself with maintenance solution, a little in your mouth um, and uh, it's this really... Wonderful natural process, but we're using one to 500 fermented plant juice. And so, ratios, real quick, I'm going to jump into this. You didn't ask me, but I talk about ratios in YouTube. It's a math problem. One to a thousand means if you have a thousand water, what's one one thousandth of that? It's a division problem. One one thousandth is the amount of nutrient you put in that one thousand water. So, if I have a liter then I put one ml, that's one one thousandth of a liter, right? So if I'm spraying out a liter in my little liter spray bottle on my two plants or my little, you know, garden box, then I need one ml of OHN, one to 500 would be two mls of FPJ, and then one to 500 vinegar would be two mls of vinegar into my one liter spray bottle. And it's so little, you know, you're like, how can this like, 20 drops of this thing do anything but watch the plants react. The plants get shiny and green up, and uh, yeah.
0: Sounds like it's a very easy process once you just learn the basics and put it into practice yourself. So, what advice do you have for those growers transitioning to KNF?
1: Enjoy the process. You know, the, the, learning, the learning journey is and can be so fun. And, um, you know, instead of it being the, um, this, you know, rigorous recipe of, um, you know, how much pink and green stuff you're applying in salt fertilizer. Um, it can be this learning journey, and um, it can affect kind of whole health, human health. Um, uh, also, failure is a good teacher. Don't be afraid of the failures. Um, they will just make you better at it. Um, try and fail on a small scale. You know, if you're trying something new, maybe don't try it on everything right off and really take a class. If you get the opportunity to come to an in-person class, um, it's I've I teach online. I have an online class um, and I believe much more in an in-person class because taste, touch, smell matters or hang out. If there's somebody that's come to a class that's around you, you know of somebody go hang out with them, offer to buy them lunch. If they'll like do some natural farming with you. Um, because that little bit of nuance, that taste touch smell can really help you kind of jumpstart your process.
0: I think that's some really good advice. So wrapping things up, how can the listeners find you and what do you have upcoming in the future?
1: Yeah. Um, I have done, um, some podcasts, obviously, uh, something that I, I jump onto. So, um, Different places, um, had some of these conversations, always different. Um, but I have a YouTube channel. You just search Chris Trump. I have a website. It's just christrump.com. Um, and uh, on my website, I do have courses. The online course is a bunch of video time. It gets so much deeper into all the details. Um, I am updating that this year with a, about double the content. Um, so hopefully that happens this month. I've been chipping away at it um, and that that will always be updated um, uh, just added to over time um and then I do in person classes. I have one in Ireland in June, and then um I have one in Cape Cod in october September late September, and then one in Tennessee in September. so kind of East Coast is getting the love this year um as far as um in-person classes but come on out it's a ton of fun the community aspect kind of you taking a class with people that then you're staying in contact and and the growing community of natural farmers is probably the best part i mean that's that's invaluable it'll feel like a vacation um but yeah that's that's kind of what i'm up to and um you know i'm on instagram at soil steward and um And then Natural Farming Co. um, uh, Facebook page. So those are some of the places I hang out, and uh, I love to answer questions as I can. Just be patient with me.
0: Sweet. Well, I definitely have a link to your channel down in the description section below. So you guys can head on over there and check out what he has for content. We just scratched the surface today. We did very little when it comes to natural farming as far as talking about it. Uh, We could sit here and talk for hours and hours and hours and go over more and more processes. Chris,
1: let's Uh, let's do it again sometime.
0: I was just about to say that I have a feeling that the audience is going to demand a part two. And so we can continue on talking about some of these things. I mean, we can get into O&H. We can get into deeper into the maintenance solution, uh, FAA, SES. So there is a lot more that we can certainly talk about in a future episode. And yeah, I'd love to have you on in the future for sure.
1: Yeah, and maybe uh, maybe we get uh, some questions from your audience from this one and we can answer some of those.
0: Absolutely. So be sure to leave any questions you have down in the comments section below. And we'll leave it at that. Chris, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. This was a pleasure, and hope you enjoy the rest of your day.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, it was a pleasure, and, and uh, good talking with all you guys. Peace
0: out, everyone.